0: Duty is defined as a task that one is required to perform, a responsibility, a legal responsibility. You are owed a duty by others at all times, whether a sole person or a huge corporation. You are owed a duty to be safe from negligent, careless, intentional acts that cause you serious damage, death, permanent injury, catastrophic loss. Others have caused a breach A breach of the duty due you and yours. Your only recourse is to pursue a legal claim. It is impossible to turn back time so that the injury and damage did not occur. Monetary compensation is the only alternative. Both to compensate you for your loss, but also to confirm the conduct of the wrongdoer. Motor vehicle accidents, slip and fall injuries, assault, dangerous products, workplace injuries, animal bites, defamation... These are a portion of the wrongs that are inflicted on you and yours. Opsitnik and Associates can make the difference. Al Opsitnik has litigated, tried, and settled injury claims throughout the United States in his home state of Pennsylvania, but also New York, Maryland, and Alaska, just to name a few. When duty is breached, contact Opsitnik and Associates to make things right. For you, for yours. Contact them toll-free... 1-866-391-3299, one 391 3299 or visit them on their Facebook page, Opsitnik and Associates, or their website, OpsitniksLaw.com. See the links in the description below for more information. Hello everybody, Zach back with another episode of the Carnival of Randomness. As we look at the date today, or more specifically the date yesterday, we will see that yesterday was Valentine's Day or as many of us in the bitter business have come to know it as Singles Awareness Day. But that aside, I thought it would be kind of interesting to take a kind of a look at Valentine's Day and see, you know, where Valentine's Day came from. What's the deal? What's the history behind it? Now, I know I have said over the years that Valentine's Day, I always felt, was a manufactured holiday by the greeting card company, but I when I was sitting there thinking, maybe I'm wrong. You know, there's got to be something more to it. So I started doing a little digging, and I thought I would share with you what I found. So obviously, Valentine's Day was based off of St. Valentine, or the Feast of St. Valentine. Now, we immediately come into the problems, because there were several people in history named Valentine... Many of whom people have begun to think were associated with what we now know now know, excuse me, as Valentine's Day. However, in looking through it, there was one that kind of stood out above all the others, even though his history and involvement and tie to this holiday is still very heavily debated, and that would be Valentine of Termi in Italy. Uh, He was, and here's why I say still hotly debated, because it was so long ago, and nobody really knows 100%. From what I've read, he was either a priest or a bishop in Rome. That's kind of a pretty big uh, spread right there, priest or a bishop. But anyway, I'm going to work off of Valentine of Turney, that's T-E-R-N-I for anybody that wants to look it up. And he was in Rome under the rule of Emperor Claudius. Now, at this point in history, being to be a Christian was a crime punishable by death. And therefore, helping anybody that was a Christian, by extension, was also a crime punishable by death. So, he constantly defied the orders of the Emperor Claudius and would help the Christians. Later on, you know, in the 18th century, they would kind of embellish his role a little bit and say he would marry people in secret because Claudius had banned marriage because he viewed it as a distraction, although there is no proof of this. Anyhow, he eventually, Valentine or Valentinus in Latin as it would be known, was arrested ...for crimes of Christianity. However, in jail, one of the quote-unquote miracles attributed to him... ...was the curing of the blindness of one of his jailers. And as such, he gained a lot of notoriety and I think was eventually freed... ...along with several other Christian prisoners by this jailer... ...who then converted him and his own family to Christianity... Not hundred percent sure what went on to happen to said jailer or their family, but at the time you can only assume it wasn't very good now at this point, Claudius himself, and this is I think emperor Claudius the second the second took kind of a liking to Valentine, thought he was an interesting character, so in a way he kind of befriended him, and then Valentine made the big mistake of trying to convert the emperor of Rome, of the Roman Empire, to Christianity. Well, that didn't fly, because then Valentine was given two choices, as many people were who were viewed as heretics or whatever criminals in those days were given. You either, one, renounce your religion, or two, you will be executed. Anyways, Valentine ultimately chose to not renounce his religion and was subsequently beaten to death and beheaded outside the Flaminian Gate in what is now the Piazza del Polo, Popolo, Popolo, I'm sorry. I'm half Italian, but I am not Italian, if you know what I mean. Uh, the Piazza del Popolo in Rome and was buried nearby, oddly enough, on February the 14th, the year 269 A.D., Now, we have the end of the person originally thought to be the man that was the heart and soul behind Valentine's Day, executed for his beliefs and his uh, actions on February 14th, 269 AD. Now, to jump around a teeny little bit, I'm going to try to keep this as much in chronological order as I can, just because history kind of works better that way. 200 years later, we have the Feast of St. Valentine was now established by Pope Galatius I in 496 AD. So we're over 200 years after Valentine's death. But a slight sidebar, because you're going to see that this comes with a lot of embellishment, a lot of legend, a lot of did this actually happen? A lot of time, and that's again the glory of history. Is, there's a lot of, did this really happen? They say, according to legend, that the first ever Valentine was sent by Valentine himself while he was in prison to the daughter of the jailer that he had cured of blindness. Again, this is all speculation. There is no documentation of any of this. And... Right before his execution, he wrote her a letter, and he signed it, Your Valentine. Whether or not that's true, probably not. And again, this whole thing came about around the same time in the 18th century, where he said to really tie Valentine into the idea of love and all that, when he was marrying people in secret and flying in the face of the Holy Roman Emperor. Again, this might be true, this might not be true. Right now we know it's a possibility, and scholars are still debating it, as they have for years. And that's why I love history. But let's kind of jump ahead. So we have 496, and this actually kind of replaced an old pagan holiday by the name of... Where is it in my notes? Alright, disregard the pause, I found it. Now, Galicius kind of uh, established what is called the Feast of St. Valentine on February the 14th to mark his death and subsequent martyrdom. And they uh, people are thinking that this kind of replaced the old pagan festival of Lupercalia, uh, which was held February the 13th to the 15th. Now, this festival... Essentially, in, in, the, in the days it was held, was more of a purification rite, but it was then later kind of twisted when Valentine the whole idea of Valentine came around to make it seem more romantic, in that there were animal sacrifices, as there were a lot of in those days, as well as priests would wander the streets with the animal pelts and hit women with them in order to promote fertility. So now we have one of the first attempts to tie Valentine to the idea of romance, love, family, fertility, etc. Whether or not that's true, we're not 100%. We do know that the Festival of Lupercalia did exist. But like I say, historically it was more of a purification ritual to cleanse the demons and have life better for people in the city. Now, let's jump ahead a little bit, because we're still in the uh, the 5th and 6th century by this point. We really don't start to see the idea of Valentine and Valentine's Day associated with love and romance until probably the 14th or 15th century. At that point, people began to see that there were a lot of birds that would begin to congregate and mate around this time of year. They would call them, the generic term for them being the lovebirds, in the early spring. So now we have early spring, February the 14th, St. Valentine, looking at his history, and that was one of the first original tie-ins to making Valentine's Day to the romantic holiday, quote-unquote, it became to this day. We're not 100% sure, but it kind of makes sense, and that's one of the biggest parts of history is you look at something and they kind of make sense, which is interesting. Now, let's jump ahead. Actually, it was right around this time. Sorry, not jumping ahead. This is the problem when you write stuff in years versus centuries because it takes your brain a second to click back and forth. We have the first written description of Valentine's Day. In relation to love, was in a tale by Geoffrey Chaucer, he of the the Canterbury Tales. In 1382, he wrote something called the Parliament of Fowls, F O W L S, so bird, and he made reference to Valentine's Day and love, and it was a um, uh, a dream sequence in the in the story between I think. Richard II and Anne of Bavaria, in which he referred to their courtship and the Feast of St. Valentine. I might be wrong, but that's kind of what I read. So there we have the basic history and build-up of Valentine's Day into what it could ultimately become, which is what it is now, what we view it as now. Uh, So now I wanted to, and actually, for those that follow us on Instagram... On Valentine's Day, usually I post some pithy picture of either the wrestler Greg the Hammer Valentine or Eddie Murphy's character Billy Ray Valentine from Trading Places and make some pithy remark about Valentine's Day and whatnot. But this time, when I posted it yesterday, I actually found a weird fact about Valentine's Day. And if you looked at it, that being of the Vinegar Valentines, which, and if you didn't, which me is uh, in the Victorian era in England, people that wanted to ward off potential suitors would send them what they called a vinegar valentine. Essentially, it was the complete opposite of a valentine in that it was kind of mocking them or telling them, we don't want your attention. So I'm looking and I th- thought, man, that would be kind of interesting to look and see the other things associated with Valentine's Day. So I digged some digging and I found it out and I hope you're still with me because there actually is some interesting things. Now, we all know the whole idea of Cupid. Cupid's arrow will find love and you will... Struck by Cupid's arrow and you will find love. And Cupid, the little tiny winged baby cherub with the bow and arrow and the arrows shaped like hearts was actually uh, the Roman god of desire, erotic love, attraction, and affection. Now, because the tie-ins between the Roman gods and the Greek gods were so close because Rome borrowed quite a bit of it, or vice versa. He was based off of, in Greek mythology, Eros. That's E-R-O-S. Who was the the god of sexuality and sexual desire and, and love, essentially. Now, depending on which mythology you read, Eros was either the son of Ares and Aphrodite so the god of war and the goddess of love. That's an interesting dichotomy. Or in Roman mythology, it would be the the son of Mars and Venus. Or, in other mythologies, he's also mentioned as one of the primordial deities, those in the first tier that came from the beginning of the universe, which was Chaos, who begat the primordial... Deities, you had uh, Gaia, the Earth Kronos, Oceanus, and Eros Was one of them So in that sense He would essentially be an uncle to Aphrodite Because she was second generation born of of Gaia But that's something here and there And I think the idea of the tiny winged cherub baby Is kind of cute to relate to A love holiday So now I started to look, and they found, and this is pretty much kind of proven and accepted, the oldest record of any sort of quote-unquote valentine ever being sent was sent in the year 1415. It was sent by Charles the Duke of Orleans, who at the time was aged 21 and imprisoned in the Tower of London. And he wrote to her, His was his second wife, by the by. Her name was Isabella, in which he referred to her in his romantic letter as My Valentine, or My Very Gentle Valentine, I think were the exact words. So, you know, very romantic, very swoon-like, or swoonish. However, history forgets to, or people tend to forget the historical part of that, he was imprisoned in 1415 for 25 years. And his wife, Isabella, his very gentle valentine, unfortunately died sometime between the year 1430 and 1435, meaning he was never able to reunite with her or see his her reaction to his letter. But there you go. So we have 1415 A.D. as the first recorded valentine. That That could change in time. Again, I'm going back to a theme. That's why I love history, because everything will change in time. But now we're getting up into the 19th century. And this is when my original theory of it being a manufactured holiday kind of rings true. Because we have, in 1847, came the appearance of the first mass-produced Valentine's card. The Valentines were very fancy, embossed paper, lace. Uh, they were first produced in 1847 by a woman named Esther Howard of Worcester, Massachusetts. Is in, in, in America, is it Worcester or Worcester? I know in England it's Worcester. I don't know, somebody from Massachusetts let me know. But in any event, uh, Esther's father owned, here's where my theory starts to grab hold, a very large book and stationery store Howland took the inspiration from or esther Howland I should say took her inspiration from an English style Valentine that she had received from a business associate of her father sometime or some years before I couldn't find exactly when anyway this idea really really struck a chord with her because it was something beautiful it was something she treasured and now she has a father with a stationery store, and she, uh, uh, from what I've read, a very talented artist in her own right, now she began thinking, why can't we have those? Why can't we make those? So she began to make them. She would bring in fancy paper and floral decorations and lace from England, and she began in the first batch in the year 1847 to create, essentially, the modern Valentine. So, now we're starting to move into what we now know as Valentine's Day. You know, with the Valentines and the gifts, and we're going to get to the gifts right now. When you think about the gifts, what's one of the first things you think about? You think about the big old heart-shaped box of chocolate. Actually, the one thing I looked at, sorry to break for that for a second, I... Couldn't really find where we got the idea of the heart shape I'm sure this is an ancient thing But I don't know 100% where Because, spoiler alert, that's not what the heart actually looks like I know, right? My mind was blown too But anyway, so from 1847 with the appearance of the first modern-day Valentine We have the year 1868 comes around and we now have created by a company everybody should know Cadbury, the British chocolate company, created what they called fancy boxes. Yes, fancy boxes. It was a heart-shaped box in uh, sorry, a heart-shaped box for Valentine's Day specifically, and it was filled with chocolates. So that's been going on for. Well over... Or almost 150 years... Actually, it would be 100 over 150 years by this point. So... They started selling them around Valentine's Day... And it was pretty much instantaneous that... People began to associate... Heart-shaped box of chocolates... With Valentine's Day... And therefore, love. And... Since then, the gifts... Really have just... I mean, it's gone in so many different directions. So... Let's look at the financials, shall we? Because I actually found this. According to the National Retail Foundation, in the year, in the calendar year 2019, so only a year and a half ago, two calendar years, but you know what I mean, the um, people in America, just America, spent over $20 billion, that's billion with a B, billion dollars on Valentine's Day gifts and associated things expected i 'm not a hundred percent sure if it did that. I will have to try to track down those numbers maybe they haven't put them out yet we're expected to spend a record breaking twenty seven point four billion for the year twenty twenty including two point four billion dollars just in candy that's a lot of chocolate folks and you're looking and I think I saw somewhere else millions and millions and millions of pounds of chocolate are given consumed, or thrown back in the face in anger on February the 14th or thereabouts. Uh, Then, back to the Valentine's cards. People, well, they were saying they were expected to spend on average, people expected to spend on average approximately $196 per person with men spending around and this is where you get the average. Men spending around $291 on average per person on Valentine's Day whereas women spend or spent around $106 per person. I guess that makes sense. It's you know men who buy their wives or girlfriends or some other person, we're not going to get into the where or the uh the deeper part of that. The more expensive gifts, you know, the, the big bottle, the big box of chocolate, the bottle of champagne, uh, the jewelry, the watch, the trip. You know, sometimes people take, uh, well, they couldn't this year, unfortunately, but take the romantic getaway for Valentine's Day. But weirdly enough, where according to this, men would spend nearly, or well, or nearly three times as much per person than women would. Women purchased eighty five percent of the Valentine's Day cards, and I don't know that that's interesting to me and I'm wondering why, especially because a lot of men aren't very good at putting their feelings onto any sort of piece of paper well maybe the you know maybe that's why we just you know we'd rather just buy a big gift than try to express ourselves. You know, I've always figured, you know, well, why should I think of my own words? Somebody else did it for me, because they're right here on the card. But in any event, we're going to move on, and we're going to go back to candy for a second. Because we all know those little, 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 little chalky hearts with the little messages written on them. Um, they actually began their life as Lozenges. Which kind of makes sense if you think about it. Now, as I read this, and will subsequently read it to you, you're going to kind of go, "Oh, that makes sense." According to the Food Business News, pharmacist Oliver Chase created a machine that would quickly create lozenges. Before, excuse me, before switching the machine, or switching to using the machine to create candy, which would later become become known as Necco wafers Now if you don't know what Necco wafers are They're little round discs About the size of an American quarter Made of that same Chalky Candy-like material It's the exact same stuff That the little hearts are made from But He actually realized That These hearts Lozenges could be made of candy And then printed the little messages on them uh, it was actually his brother Couldn't find his brother's name Because this chase was named Oliver His brother came up with the idea To put print the messages on the candy in 1866 So they beat the chocolate wave Of Valentine's Day by two years And the candies actually got their heart shape In 1901 So before they were just selling them As just little round lozenge shaped candies for 50-some years until 1901, when all of a sudden they became the one of the iconic candies in relation to Valentine's Day. And I'm sure that there are people out there that would buy bags of them and scour through them to find that perfect little message and then eat them and realize, man, I, I'm not 100% sure on that. Not knocking them, I know people like them, but you know what, they're, they're kind of akin to candy corn for me, and come Halloween we'll talk about that one. So, and then I continued to look other Valentine's related things, and I came across why there why the X has come to mean a kiss when you're writing it. You know, you see X O X O usually means kisses and hugs, hugs and kisses, however you want to say it. And actually, this is an older thing. This goes back. The idea of the X went. Back, goes back to the Middle Ages. The use of the X was kind of a rotated cross for, Chris, for the Christian faith. And during the same time, before a lot of people knew how to write their full name or had the time or desire to write their full name, they would mark everything with a simple X. It was easy to draw, it was something they knew, and it was a mark in their hand. Now, where the kiss part came in, After they would sign it For whatever witness was there Making sure it was them signing it They would actually kiss the mark And that would be the sign Of their oath to it So there you get Sealed with a kiss I think it's fascinating Definitely makes sense More than likely is 100% true So I'm going to kind of Start to wrap it up a little bit There was a couple more things I found This one is interesting. We're going to talk to to the, uh, the Shakespeare enthusiasts for a second here. And I'm wondering if this is still true, and I don't know, but I'm curious to look. If anybody knows anybody that lives in the area or is from the area, maybe you can tell me. They say that every year, thousands and thousands of romantics send letters addressed to Verona, Italy. And this is going to make sense in a... Brief second, saying it or uh, sending the letter to Verona, Italy, to Juliet, she of the famed Shakespearean drama *Romeo and Juliet*, the ultimate love tale. If you were, Um, the city marks the location of the of the story. And I actually, I'm going to admit, I haven't actually read a whole lot of Shakespeare. I have difficulty. With my brain processing plays in the structure But if you've read Shakespeare you know that that Was said in Verona And there is a Club uh, In in Verona called The Juliet Club or the Cata Julieta, oh no wait Sorry, sorry forgive me That's something different, we'll come to that in a minute But the Juliet Club Take in these letters And they answer them, every year And then where I said the Cara Giulietta, that is the award for the most touching love letter that is awarded by the Juliet Club of Verona, Italy. And Cara Giulietta in English means Dear Juliet. And I don't know what the award looks like, how it's presented, whatnot, but the person, at least up until recently, who has written the most touching letter to Juliet in Verona, Italy, would be the recipient of the Cara Giulietta. We're going to close this one out with one more little factoid. And, you know, it, it, this one is, it's interesting. What better day in the world do you think would be more right to propose to your significant other than Valentine's Day? Well, looking at studies, as many as six million Couples get engaged on Valentine's Day. Uh, And this was from a survey that was conducted. So 6 million couples, mind you, that's 12 million people, have now agreed to pledge their lives and love and yada yada to each other for eternity, blah blah blah, on the Feast of St. Valentine's, a man who... Again, looking back at history, was beaten and beheaded in a public square for daring to be a different religion. In any event, Valentine's Day actually was voted the best day of the year to propose than any other, and 40% of the people that said that were men. You would think that it would be more women saying, you know, 85 to 90% women saying Valentine's Day is the best day to get engaged, that's when I want to do it, but no. 40% of those that said the best day to get engaged were men. So, maybe we have a little bit of sentimentality in us after all. But anyway, that's kind of a holiday history, if you were, about Valentine's Day and where it came from. So, is my original uh, smart-ass theory true? It still holds some water, absolutely. Not 100% true, but really what in history is especially when you go back that far. But you're looking at it, and you look at the beginnings of the execution and the persecution, the one thing I have said to many people in my life, uh, family members, friends, whatnot, history is not pretty. But history is what got us to where we are. So I thought, just take a quick historical look at a day we've all come to know as something and see how far from... The, origina- the origination of it, we are But I, in my opinion I don't really think you'd need n- Nor should you wait for a specific day To express your love and admiration And affection for somebody very special in your life There's 365 and a quarter other days uh, See what I did there? Throughout the year that you can do it Why wait for one particular day? Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but as long as you are able to express your love and affection to the people you care about, good. It doesn't matter what day it is. If it's on Valentine's Day, fine. If it's on some other day, it's fine. But as I look around here, I glance over to where my old hound dog is, majestically snoring away. It makes me think of the following thing to close this out. Remember, for all you dog people, the perfect valentine can't even eat chocolate and will pee on your flowers. So for that, I'm going to wrap this episode of the Carnival of Randomness dives into holiday history. And if I didn't offend enough people, wait until next month when I do one on St. Patrick's Day. See you around, everybody!